Uh, hi everyone, welcome to The Grief Coach. My name is Brooke. You can find us on social at the underscore grief coach. Today I'm really excited. We have Liz Eddy from Lantern and I'm going to let her introduce herself and tell you guys a little bit about what she's doing. Hi, I'm Liz and I am the CEO and co-founder of Lantern and we developed a free end of life and death checklist to help you navigate all the ins and outs of planning for yourself or for someone else. Amazing. I love your website. I found you guys on Instagram and like it's very modern and beautiful and nice, <laughs> which like we have talked about previously that it seems so much more approachable for someone who's in our demographic to have it look like that. And now with more and more people starting to think about end of life, whether it's because of their parents or they're more involved because they're adults in a grandparent's death or whatever it is. So it just makes the information very easy to digest easy to find so <laughs> I always found it really interesting too that a lot of the, the companies that are in the space a lot of the sites are really cold and they sometimes feel kind of like a software company yeah and in these kind of situations like just being able to look at something that's soothing and empathetic and we always say we're like your knowledgeable best friend it's yeah. like someone who knows a lot about this but also like you can have some real talk with yeah exactly well you guys are doing a great job I'm really excited you're here today what we are going to focus our discussion around today is the financial cost of dying. It's something that a lot of people don't ever think about because they don't have to and they don't realize until they're dealing with um, a death uh, the amount of money that it costs. So Liz has done a lot of research and work on this, so we'll get into that. But first, do you want to tell people what drew you to the industry? Yeah, uh, it's a journey. <laughs> so I, it's always so funny whenever I like answer this question. I'm like, do you want me to start when I was like six years old or like 15? Whatever you want, whatever you want. <laughs> well, I think you know, initially my dad passed away when I was nine. Mm-hmm. And I think that kind of experience, no matter what age you are, uh, once you experience a loss of someone close to you, it transforms you in ways that you would never expect or know and in both positive and negative ways I think for me it really made me very keenly aware of time um, and wanting to make sure that I spent my life in a way that was meaningful and impactful and that I was feeling joy in what I was doing and and I sort of determined that pretty young and actually started my first nonprofit when I was 15 um, doing uh, dating abuse and domestic violence work within my high school and then it just sort of snowballed and it started the organization started popping up in universities in high schools all over the U.S. and then there was one in Turkey and there was one in London and and I suddenly became like an entrepreneur before I knew what that was and I think you know just going through that experience and realizing how much I loved the many hats that you wear and being an entrepreneur and and feeling like there's endless possibilities is very exciting so then I went to crisis text line that was on the founding team there and we developed the first national crisis support line through SMS. Um, so you could connect with a crisis counselor for free 24-7. Um, I was there for seven years and fell in love with the work, working with sort of traumatic and challenging topics and making it more accessible to more people and really focusing on a brand that exuded empathy in a way that I had never seen before. And then my grandmother passed away while I was working there. And because my dad had died before that, I was responsible for everything with her end of life. And my mom was living in Colorado and had been a huge help and support through this process. But the day she passed away, I got the phone call. I drove to her her nursing home in Connecticut and walked in the front door. 
and there were two nurses, um, a police officer and her body, and they looked at me and said, what do you want to do? And I was 27 at the time, and um, I now realize that, like, age doesn't really matter because everyone is like, what the heck do you do? Yeah. <laughs> but at the time, I was like, wow, I've, I've been through loss. I, you know, I watched my dad, you know, die from cancer, but I had never been the person to be the decision maker. Right. And suddenly I realized this laundry list of things I didn't know the answers to, and I literally pulled out my phone and Googled, what do you do when someone dies? And was really surprised to find how little information was available. You know, there's a lot of five things you should remember and ten things you shouldn't forget and an outdated thing from 2017 that says you should use this resource that doesn't exist anymore. And, you know, it's like just such a mess um, and become sort of the scavenger hunt. So from that point, you know, I, I came home and I went to my previous co-founder, then best friend, now best friend and co-founder, yeah. <laughs> um, to just to say, like, we need, we need to do something about this. Yeah. And we realized we were the right people, it was the right time, and, and Lantern began from there. Wow. I want to go back to what you said about how age doesn't matter, because I think I had the same of, like, I was 30 when my dad died, and people, several of my parents' friends were saying, like, wow, like, you're doing this and you're at such a young age. And so I think part of it, like, it doesn't matter. Everyone's like, what do I do? But you don't, you can't ask your friends. Yeah. And so I think part of what's so great about what you're doing is, to your point, you guys are, like, who, the best friend who you can ask. And that's, like, what I'm hoping to do is, like, be someone that people can, like, approach. And how do you present this in an approachable way that also respects, like, the gravity of the situation? Yeah. And I, I'm sure you've experienced this, but I think... Once you lose someone, you suddenly become like the knower of all information yeah. for everyone in your life. Yeah. And I, I mean, it's been my entire life because my dad died when I was young, but I would always get like phone calls, text messages, emails of like my coworker's mom passed away. What should I do? Or uh, my my you know best friend's mom is sick. What should I write in the card? Or like you know, it's like all of a sudden I'm like I don't know. I'm all of a sudden the person that knows how to talk about death to everybody. Right. And it's yeah. not really the life that you expect to lead, but when wielded correctly, can really help a lot of people. Yeah, absolutely. So if we can get into today, I'd love if you can talk about some specifics around cost. And so how much the average funeral costs in the United States, um, some of the basic services, and some stuff like that. Yeah. I, I mean, I, at first I want to start by saying that I, when I did this myself, I did it wrong. And I, I say that to say for anyone listening out there that most people probably did do it wrong also the yeah. first time they did it because there is and or was so little information about how to navigate this process. And, you know, when you're in the heat of the moment, it's so easy to just sort of say yes to things and not really think about how much it's adding up. And mm -hmm. uh, you haven't done the research in advance typically. Right. Um, and so you're just sort of like, I guess this is how it is. Right. So I'll just take it. And with that, with my grandmother, my, my direction was to call all of the funeral homes that showed up on the Google search, mm -hmm. listen to what they had to offer, ask them what the price was, and then I realized that they were giving me the same thing over and over again. So then I just picked the person that had the most friendly voice on the phone, which yeah. is a ridiculous way to make a decision. But I was just like, I don't know how else to choose this. Right. Um, and then very quickly found as I was going through the process that if you call up, you get sort of this high level, like basic package of like, here's the, you know, the things that you're required to have, right? Like you have to have them do your, the death certificate and right. like the basic, you know, pickup of the body and the handling of the body. But then once you actually, they have the body in their hands, 
there's all these other choices you have to make and it's kind of too late to make any other movement. You're not going to then say, actually, I want to use this funeral home instead. Right. You're going to just stick with where you are. Right. And then the number just goes up and up and up. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, funeral home tactics range very broadly. I think there's kind of a, uh, a negative connotation to how yep. funeral homes work with families. And, and the, the stories are endless and we can get into them if we want of what I've heard. But there are certainly some that are really great and really there to just support you in your own decision making. And then there are some that are going to try to upsell you at every every corner I experience the upsell yeah yeah you told me some stories about upselling that like made my stomach just crazy yeah 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 the one the one that really always deeply gets to me is choosing basically like when you're in a funeral home a casket is the biggest upsell Mm -hmm. so they're usually marked up at about 289 percent from the wholesale cost Um, and it's where they make most of their money and so in some circumstances again like there are some amazing funeral directors who don't do this but and some and many as I've heard circumstances they'll try to upsell you on whatever you choose so if you say like okay I want the most basic thing like a friend of mine did the funeral director turned to her and said well don't you want your dad to be comfortable and when you're in an emotional state, you're not always thinking straight. Right. And for her, she was like, no, my dad like wanted the basic, I know that. But you can imagine if you were in a different yeah. thought process where you didn't know the answer, you might feel really guilty right. <laughs> about making that choice. Yeah. And, and sometimes people play, play to that, which is really awful. But to answer your question around costs, I mean, there's, uh, it's different based on state, um, different based on where you live. I mean, it's very sort of closely related to cost of living. Mm-hmm. On average, people spend about $7,000 on a funeral, yeah. uh, which is typically an unexpected cost. It leads people to bankruptcy and debt, especially if the person who died was the primary breadwinner. Yeah. Um, but in New York, for example, it can be $10,000 plus easily. Yeah. Um, and that's not including all of the extra stuff. Like if you want to have dinner at a restaurant or plane tickets, it's rental cars. Like none of that is included in that initial cost. This is just the primary, you've chosen a burial or a cremation, you're working with a funeral home, mm-hmm. you might have um, a wake or a small memorial service. So like it's, right. And also like the plot, like yeah. whether or not the person has, we had, my dad had a plot in our family, like there's a couple, one more spot in it. But if you don't have that, like I don't even know how much those cost because yeah. they bought it in like the 70s. Yep. I also learned recently that there's an opening and closing fee. So even if you have a plot to actually lower the casket or put the cremains in the into the plot and then fill it yeah. back with dirt, they charge you for that on top of it. So there's yeah, so <laughs> there's a lot of we had yeah. pay, and it was like different. It was more expensive to do on the weekend. It was more expensive whether it was before or after a certain time in the morning. Mm-hmm. And it was crazy. My um, stepdad's mom recently passed away and I think sh- she's in a shared plot and to take the cement off that was or the other person was I guess it covered where she was also supposed to go like that was an extra cost and it's like well why did you put cement there <laughs> like, <laughs> like it just seems like crazy the amount mm-hmm. like every single thing and like obviously everyone needs to make a living and like mm-hmm. it's a business but it just seems like yeah. given the circumstances yeah and there are there are certain laws and regulations around pricing so for example um, if you're a home can't change their pricing based on who's calling or who they're talking to mm-hmm. it has to be consistent they also do have to make available a price list to you mm-hmm. uh, sometimes funeral homes will actually just have it on their website I found in my particular circumstance none of them did but 
lots of people are starting to actually put those price lists online for a little bit more price transparency. Mm -hmm. Um, That's often just for sort of the high level, again, like basic package Mm -hmm. Um, and some of the most common things like, you know, hiring a hearse or embalming or they'll have like the actual price points of some of that. Mm -hmm. Um, But they do have to provide a list. And if it isn't online, you can ask for it for them to email it to you or deliver it to you or whatever you need. So that's, that's helpful. Also, I mean, there's a lot of ways that you can defray some of the costs, which I... I wasn't aware of at the time when I was working with my grandmother, but now um, have found, for example, I think the biggest one, again, is the, the caskets and urns. Like, mm-hmm. a lot of people just don't realize it. Like, you, you don't have to use what's in the funeral home. No, we bought my dad's online. Yep, yeah. So you can use Amazon, you can use Costco, Walmart sells them. I always, I actually found it really interesting that Walmart, Costco, and Amazon are three of the biggest businesses in the funeral industry. Yeah. But... You would never know. It's not like something they like push forward as their biggest sales points. No. But but yeah, you can do all those things online and a funeral home cannot charge you for that. They can't say, oh, there's a handling fee. But you do need to be careful because you also are working with a wide range of potential retailers that you don't know as much about. There's a lot of, you know, smaller retailers across the US. And so you wanna make sure, like, you know, check on them on Better Business Bureau, look at their site and make sure they have customer service either twenty four seven or at least on like a normal business hour. Yeah. Even just making sure they have like an office address and phone number available in general is really important. Mm-hmm. You know, those are some of like the sort of signals to make sure that it's a, it's a business that you want to work with. Because you, of course, don't want to get in a situation where you don't have what you need when you need it. Right. It can't be late. No, it can't be late. <laughs> and a lot of people do, whether it's for religious or emotional or whatever reasons have it in a very compressed time frame. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Which does make you sometimes end up using a funeral home because you just are trying to move through it as quickly as possible. Right. I, one thing that I learned that I had obviously no reason to ever think about was getting death certificates to get them from the funeral home. You can ask for like 10, 20, like however mm-hmm. complicated someone's financial situation is, you would likely need more. But it, otherwise you have to like go to your town clerk and like <laughs> do all of this stuff. And so it's just for anyone who is faced with this situation in the future ask the funeral home for extras. And yep. norm- I think they're like $20 normally. Yeah, yeah also on, on our site, shameless plug for Lantern, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> on our site, plug the whole time. we... Uh, <laughs> Lots of good information. <laughs> we have uh, two tasks within the checklist. One is the list of all the information that you need to fill out a death certificate. So like, it was very embarrassing for me when I was in the funeral home. Like They literally fill it out by hand while they're talking to you, at least. I oh, was, I had yeah. to fill it out. Yeah, and I didn't know my grandmother's mother's maiden name, Yeah. which is something they ask for on a death certificate. Okay. Yeah, and also place of birth. And these are things that, you know... It just had never come up with my grandmother, and my mom didn't know, and my and my dad wasn't around, yeah. so we were like, "Oh my gosh!" Like I, we have no idea where she was born, and so we had to like start reaching out to like distant family members oh trying to God. trying to figure this out. So we have a list on there of all the information that you need, so you can actually just go in with it all written out, and yeah, and then we also have a list of all the things you might need a death certificate for. So it's not just, you know, for for insurance purposes, but you might actually need it for like closing a Facebook account or or canceling a, a phone bill. It depends on the company, it depends on what you use, but a lot of places will require original death certificates. Some are fine with copies. Yeah. Um it totally depends. Airlines were fine with copies when we were closing out all of his rewards accounts. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. It really just depends. Like my my co-founder always talks about how her, her grandfather's phone bill is still open because it requires them to go to Buffalo with an original death certificate and they just haven't been able to do it. No. So his account is just still there. <laughs> so yeah, it really depends on, on the company. But uh, we do have a list and you can kind of go through and say like, okay, I probably need 10. I would always get two extra just so you don't have to deal with it later. Yeah. Um, good to have on hand. Mm-hmm. We got way more than we needed, but it's like better to have them. Mm-hmm. And then like there since has been a f- few instances where I've needed them that I was glad to not have to like go an hour out to Connecticut and like have to deal with it. Yeah. So absolutely. Can you talk about some of the services you've referenced several times, the like basic package. So what even would be an example of some of those? next level yeah I mean next level things that could be like uh, makeup and dressing if you're going to do a an open casket um if you're doing a viewing they also do it by hours so like another way that you can defray some costs is they'll typically say a four-hour viewing you can ask for a two-hour viewing Mm -hmm. to cut down on some of the time um again I mean they're the, the extra costs are endless because you know you can have a hearse you could have a horse-drawn carriage you could have like uh you know there are so many different things that flowers can get really expensive and I highly recommend to anyone you don't need to get flowers people are going to give you flowers whether you ask for them or not there will be no shortage of flowers um and and spending extra money on them isn't necessary um and then also you're looking at if there's any kind of catering or if you want alcohol or you know if you want to have it at some kind of other event space like we always try to you know encourage people if they have a family member or friend who's willing to offer their home that's a a way to to cut down on some of the costs as well Mm -hmm. and then if i hope talked about this it's almost similar to like a wedding that like the cost just they are higher than what they would be for like a family reunion yeah but it just is like it's like a hyperspeed wedding (laughs) right yeah everyone has them not everyone gets married yeah exactly exactly i know we get we actually get compared to companies in the wedding industry often um like oh you're like the not for death or zola for death um and in some ways yeah there's a lot of similarities Mm -hmm. like the way you can approach planning is very similar but you're at warp speed it's non-optional there's a lot of legal and financial aspects that are involved Mm -hmm. and i think you know for us and what we're so excited about with what we're building is we're able to take out some of the anxiety and stress from that planning process because yeah. you know, you can see everything right in front of you. You know exactly what you need to do. I know like I felt extremely overwhelmed, not just because I had a lot to do, but because I didn't know if I was doing it right or if I had covered everything. Mm-hmm. And so it was this constant like iteration of lists and then being like, oh my gosh, I didn't close my grandmother's Verizon account and then I was being chased down by a debt collector and you know those are things that if I had had on my list like make sure to check on all the phone accounts (laughs) it was just something I hadn't thought about well even like my dad had all this stuff on auto pay so once we notified the credit cards that companies that he had passed away like it was like I think it was T-Mobile or whatever it was and then I was like oh we should I guess shut down his Netflix account they were like there's no payment method and like I still had his computer up and running so it could like see notifications coming in it's like well like (laughs) there you go but just like the amount of stuff to close Mm -hmm. is crazy yeah oh my gosh yeah it's it's especially in like the digital age that we live in I think you know especially the next generation like my grandmother she had a Netflix account but like there wasn't a ton of accounts but like when I think about myself and and my like digital legacy on its own I that's a good idea for a company (laughs) yeah how do you how do you manage that stuff and 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 I like track it because how many things have you signed up with your email address for Mm -hmm. 
Absolutely. And, and it's not easy to shut these accounts down. It's not like you can just reach out to Facebook and say, Hey, take this account down because you can imagine there's lots of people that are also trying to do it to be not so nice to somebody. (laughs) I had, I was listed as like my dad's account manager or what, you know, like a beneficiary for Facebook. But so I went in and you have to provide a link to their obituary and when they died and what's your relation to them. And that's how you on Facebook and Instagram could request to close it down. LinkedIn was pretty easy, and they take the profile down, but for Facebook and Instagram, there's an option to, like, leave it up as, like, a memorial, Mm -hmm. memoriam, which is kind of nice, because then, like, I've gone back and, like, looked through his pictures and, like, the captions and, like, which is, like, a nice thing. It's really nice when it gets transferred like that. I think the opposite effect is when things don't get shut down, Mm -hmm. and, like, I had a very strange experience about, I guess, almost a year and a half ago now, um, a friend of mine from high school passed away and it was very sudden, very unexpected. Mm-hmm. And for a while I was getting like Facebook notifications of like memories with this person or like LinkedIn, like congratulate them on one year at this job. And it, it just was like this pang every time it would mm-hmm. happen because they, until those accounts are shut down, or put in memoriam, they treat it as Not if true, the person's alive. I memorialized my dad's Instagram and it came up sep- like in September or October of memories, like on this day last year, and it was a picture of the two they of us. still send you them. Even wow. though I had memorialized the account. And so on the second episode, which is grief on social media, I like put out a plea of like, if anyone knows anyone at Facebook or Instagram, like what is the thought process behind like the algorithm still making pushing changes. that? Yeah. So if you know anyone or if anyone listening, we have a bigger <laughs> audience now knows anyone. Like <laughs> I would love to know. Please email me or DM me. Yeah. Because... Yeah, it is a really interesting unexpected consequence, or maybe gift from Facebook. It that, depends on when. Yeah, it is, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because yeah, you do you do get to have sort of this digital memorial for this person in a place where you already are. Because there's a lot of digital memorial sites out yeah. there, but you have to go somewhere you wouldn't normally go in order to do it to to access it. Uh, so it is it's definitely interesting, and I I I really enjoy and appreciate the behavior of people writing notes to the person. Yeah. Sometimes I'll look at my friend's Facebook account and scroll through and be like, oh, this person was remembering you know three years ago when they went on this trip and mm-hmm. and they posted photos of it, and I'm like, that's really nice yeah. to see. Yeah, that is really nice, and it like to your point, it's like where you are, and so you can it's very easy and accessible mm-hmm. versus like. I don't even know where you would go. I'm sure they exist. And I'm sure you would know from your research that they do. Yes, yes. <laughs> um, but having it be something that can be, like, built by a community mm-hmm. is really, like, the grief experience I always talk about, like, can be so isolating. And to, like, have that community aspect mm-hmm. behind it. Yeah, there's actually a site called um, LifeWeb that is really interesting. They, they're trying to solve for the issue of how people have all of this, like, this content and memories and photos and it kind of gets jumbled on Facebook, mm-hmm. and so they're creating, it. it's like a visualization web that shows, like, different par- parts of their life, with the photos yeah. and memories from that time period, so that, you know, whether you're a young person or an older person, you can kind of see the different stages, and different people from those different parts of their life can yeah. contribute to it, uh, which is pretty amazing, yeah. <laughs> That's really beautiful. All right, so I think if we can switch gears a little bit, we, at the beginning, spoke about what you're doing, what you're hoping to accomplish, but... You're in this sector now, which has been coined death tech. And what is that? It's something that is getting more and more, I don't want to use the word popularity, but coverage. Yeah. <laughs> and people are paying more attention to it and thinking about it. So if you mm-hmm. could talk about what it is as an industry, what how you guys fit in there, where it's going, mm-hmm. all of that. 
Yeah, I, I find this topic so fascinating. I mean, obviously, A, because I'm in it, but B, <laughs> because cause death is like, it's the only real guarantee, right? Like, right. it's the thing that we like, we all know what's going to happen at some point. It's going to happen to us. It's going to happen to everyone. Um, yet, it is like weirdly trendy right now. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm it like, is. it's, which is, it's kind of baffling for something that like is 100% going to happen and always has and always will be that yeah. it is trendy. And it was like named a wellness trend of, of 2020 yeah. is, is talking about death and, and all the things related to it and, and, you know, having a good death. And, you know, there's, uh, it's fascinating to see the upswing of media, the upswing of like death doulas is a really mm-hmm. interesting signifier of the fact that we're we're thinking about death in a more holistic way now. So mm-hmm. it's not just keep person alive at all costs and then if they die funeral home. Like that was kind of the right, right. the process and there really wasn't much else around it. And now there's a lot of focus on wellness and on um, allowing people the space to grieve, which is really the like heart and driving force of what we're doing at Lantern is how can we lift the burden of the logistics so that you can have space to grieve because exactly. we're not going to stop the grief. That's, that's just, that's what it is. It's human nature. If you love someone, grief is, you know, in equal or more parts than the love you felt for the person. Right, right. And that is, that's always going to remain true, but we can, we can lift some of that burden mm-hmm. so that you can focus on that grief and, and accept the support that's coming to you. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's, it's a fascinating time and what my hope and I think what the the industry as a whole hope is that it becomes less of a trend and more of a norm Mm -hmm. and if we can keep talking about it and keep enforcing the importance of having conversations with your friends and family members about what they want what you want making sure that your affairs are in order like for us on our site pre-planning is a huge part of what we're trying to push forward and and saying this is non-optional this is this is being an adult (laughs) it is something you need to do it is is not something that you wait until the last minute to do because you're probably not going to know what your last minute is And, and honestly, it's less scary to do when you don't have to. Like I found doing my will, like I, I, I'm not kidding you. I sat with my co-founder and our technical lead and we put on pop music and opened a bottle of wine and we all wrote our wills together and you can have more fun with it when it isn't. It doesn't feel like it's happening right now. (laughs) So it's actually, like, I think an interesting time to do it because it doesn't feel so heavy. Like, yes, it's scary to think about your death anytime, but when it doesn't feel imminent, you can kind of, like, relax and be like, okay, let me think in in a logical and thoughtful way. Like, what are the things I want? What do I want friends and family to know? What music do I want to have played? You know, what do I have all my documents in order? It can be, like, somewhat of a therapeutic experience versus a frantic or scary one. And I think... Like, the way I framed it, because after, I think I told you the story, after my dad died, my friends were like, what can I do to help? What can I do to help? I was like, talk to your parents about where their wills are. Mm-hmm. Like, and find out, like, what's in their living will. Like, make one. Like, I have friends who have children, and they don't have wills yet. And it's just like, it makes it, and if you frame it in the way that it makes it easier for the people you love that are left... Mm-hmm. and it makes it so they're not frantic they're not trying to figure out where is the will what's in it what would they want at the funeral like mm-hmm. you know and families have arguments about it like you're the stress and like the sadness is so high that you can fight about well no they would want it at a church they would want it at a rest like wherever mm-hmm. like trying to guess I think is one of the biggest stressors in a family like yeah. and then you're like did I do it right yeah you always wonder. Yeah. It's, yeah, that that's a huge point of why we, we push for pre-planning. And, you know, this phrase sounds obvious, but it's like you you die how you lived, right? Mm-hmm. So if you, don't, if you don't handle these things while you're living, 
it's not going to, it's not going to improve after your death. <laughs> and I think, <laughs> I think a lot of people are, you know, they sort of think like, oh, it'll get sorted out. Or my favorite, a lot of people are like, oh, well, like the government has stuff set up to make sure things go to the right place. And I'm like, I don't know what government you're talking no, about. <laughs> hard, no. <laughs> no. Well, and then isn't it also true? Like if you don't have a will, more of the money, like your assets go to the government than if you do have one. Do you know about that? It, it depends on how you have it set up. Like okay. if you have your funds in a trust and like how that trust is set up and what state you live in and, yeah. and what kind of taxes are, are but that's like yeah. not a risk like yeah. I'd rather have the money go to like I don't have children so like my nieces or nephews or like my brother or like whoever mm-hmm. like than the government yeah <laughs> for sure yeah like, yeah um yeah and there are certain states that are better than others yeah. for for you know a state tax and all that kind of stuff and so yeah. i mean you can certainly get into the nitty-gritty of like how to be strategic about these things sure. but at bare minimum like we don't need to overwhelm ourselves here like at least just like write a will you can do it online you can do your pre-planning through lantern you yeah. can write a free will with literally free will is the name of the company <laughs> and, and just like have the bare minimum yeah get a feel for it, and then if you're like, okay, I think I need to, to do more extensive work or I have a more complicated estate, then you can start looking or into like, it. if you're single and don't have children. Yeah. Like, it doesn't need to be as complicated as if... Yeah. Yeah, because... If you're, like, an heiress with 12 kids, then, like, it's something... Yeah, then it's much more complicated. Then, like, I don't have that problem. So, <laughs> um, but, yeah, I just... I think it's so interesting and people don't think about it. And I think also for people who are in our age, in our generation, like, you think, like, okay, you don't have a ton in, like, checkings and savings, but, like, if you've been contributing to your 401k for, since you started working, like, that could potentially be a lot of money that, like, goes into limbo, and then the other thing people don't realize is that it can take a really long time to get paid out from probate. Oh, yeah. And It was well over a year with my grandmother. People think it, like, happens in a few months, and it's, like, at least six, but normally closer to 12. Yeah. Yeah, it is, it is not a fast process. Yeah. So, like, the more organized you are, the faster people you love get access to whatever you left them. Exactly. And I also think, too, there's there's a misconception a little bit that having just a will is enough. Mm-hmm. It is it is fantastic if you have a will and if you have some advanced, like, advanced directive set yeah. up. Like, that's that's sort of the bare minimum, like, yeah. good job, like, high five, you've, you've, you've done it. Um, <laughs> but there's so much more that people forget about. And, and on our site, we kind of walk you through. What are some? Yeah, so we walk you through all of the different things that you should consider when doing a pre-plan. So, yes, it is those, that documentation, but it's also things like, do you have your password stored somewhere? Like, we have a partnership with 1Password. Do you have your password stored somewhere? Does somebody know how to access them so they okay. actually have like an emergency access option where you yeah. can identify someone who can get access to your passwords if you die and you know it's like do, do people know what kind of subscriptions and accounts you have do people know like the specifics of what you want for your funeral like in, in your will you can say like I want to be buried or cremated but rarely do you go into like where and you know what kind of a you know memorial do you want and mm-hmm. do you want someone someone particular to speak you could write your own obituary like there are so many things that you can do yourself yeah. that a take the burden off your family members and b make sure that like you're remembered the way you want to be remembered yeah absolutely I feel like we just have covered so much <laughs> um I think that as this becomes more of a conversation and as like death is having a moment 
hopefully it continues to and people get more comfortable, but I think as more and more people are talking about it, to your point that you said at the beginning of our conversation, like I find people who I don't know, who I haven't talked to in 10 years are like, wow, what you're doing is great. And like, I lost this person. And like, so I think having, there's like cracks opening and the like death is not something you talk about. Mm -hmm. And so I think from both an emotional perspective and from the like pre-planning and like logistics are important. And I think that we as a generation are, or at least like my friends and I think a lot of your friends are planning people. <laughs> so like realizing like, oh, these are things that we can take care of. Yeah. And also I think, it, I mean, it's interesting that the conversation of like, this is the thing we don't talk about. Most cultures are way more advanced than we are, <laughs> which I think it, it's really interesting how as a society we're very timid about discussing it. I think a lot of times it's either out of uh, like sort of superstition, like mm -hmm. if you talk about it, it'll happen, mm -hmm. which I'm, I, I can very confidently say writing a will does not equal you will die then. <laughs> so it might happen by <laughs> chance, but it's not A equals B. Right, right. <laughs> and talking about it with someone also doesn't make them die. Mm -hmm. But I think there's this year like with my with my grandmother like we didn't ask her a lot of questions because we didn't want her to think we were giving up on her which now in hindsight I realized like, like we were waiting for her to yeah die. exactly or like we wanted things from her right. like we were always so worried about the perception of it and I think that's a lot to do with the culture and society we've we've grown up in because you see in I mean like I always think about Mexico like day of the dead like every mm. year it is celebrated to talk about death to talk about the people you've lost to remember their legacy yeah. and it may it normalizes death and you you introduce kids at a young age to what their ancestry was and like it's such a, a beautiful tradition and it makes it just a part of your culture but also like there's been so much research about if you if you normalize talking about death it makes you a happier person it makes you love better and it also I mean it makes you better prepared like even in there's a town I think in Wisconsin that they just normalized pre-planning across the board they had like 98% of people had a will Whoa. in this town because it was just a standard like you turn 18 you make a will that's what we do here <laughs> and, and wow. you know, it's not their death rate isn't higher. So. <laughs> <laughs> Is there anywhere else you see this going? This like new openness around it, like anything that you foresee coming? I think that we are. Or in, you think should come? <laughs> I think we are in a really interesting time where I get asked all the time, right? Like, oh, who are your competitors? What there's all these companies popping up. Does that stress you out? And the the thing that I think is really beautiful about this industry right now is we need all of this energy and conversation and new business in order to elevate the industry as a whole. So I don't see anybody as a competitor, but as a partner. Like everybody that's in this space, I, I reach out the second I see them. I want to be friends. I want to figure out how we can elevate what they're doing and vice versa. Because it, major shifts don't happen by single people in a silo. Right. <laughs> it's just like you, you need to do, we need to do this together. Um, and so I find this energy and this build so exciting. And I think it actually signifies that we will see large brands, global brands in this space that that become household names mm -hmm. that you know I can go to Lantern to be able to do this. It's that's the yeah. I, I think that's where this is going. Mm -hmm. I, I think the you die, you go to a funeral home pathway is not going to be that. Well and even some of the stuff that we talked about when we first met that now there's direct to consumer cremation. Yep. And like things like that are just they make it like if you don't want to go to a funeral home or what for either financial reasons or like I don't know what else but just <laughs> it's easier and if you mm -hmm. know that you're scattering ashes versus burying a body like there's things like that that like people don't even know mm -hmm. exist yet 
Yeah, and there's also a lot of environmental options that are becoming more widely available. Could you talk a little bit uh, about that? Yeah. yeah, I mean, uh, my, I'm like a super fangirl of Recompose. Uh, Katrina is the, the founder, and, and they're all about body composting, yeah. so going back to the earth as... It's, it's like very humorous to me that it is illegal in most states. They're, they're actually lobbying and working to change the laws. They changed it in Washington state and now they're working in Colorado. Mm-hmm. Um, but like up until, you know, the last, I guess around hundred years or so, that was what happened. Right. <laughs> like right. we all, we, you go back to the earth. That's what happens to animals when they die in the forest, you right. know, but, but it became illegal and all of a sudden we were, you know, putting people into chemicals and we were trying to put them into metal containers and put them into the earth, which is, it's not natural. It's terrible for the environment, right. but our, our laws sort of shifted to adapt to this new system. And so she's actually working to sort of unravel that again mm-hmm. and, and be more environmentally friendly, do what was naturally supposed to happen. Right. And, you know, you can also, you can become a tree, you can, you can become be, a diamond. You now. can become a diamond. Which yeah. Yeah, there there are a lot of different options, and and most funeral homes, not all, won't really expose you to that gamut. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so you know, a lot of what Lantern's doing as well is just trying to expose people to the options that they have. Yeah. And if you're pre-planning, you can you, actually make those calls right. in advance and not be in a frantic state where you're just like, I can't read about all these things right now. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Is there anything else you think? I feel like we covered a lot. But we did. We covered a whole lot. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I think, uh, yeah, I think we covered it. This has been really fun. Yeah, this was really fun. Thank you so much um, for doing this. If you want to plug anything, your social, your website. Yeah, so it's www.lantern.co, not com. I'm CO, the same. I'm the same. <laughs> because yeah. all the domains are taken in all this world. Um, and we're Follow Lantern at Follow Lantern on social media. Mm-hmm. Perfect. Thank you guys for listening. I hope that you found it informative and interesting. If you have questions, you can reach out to me. You can reach out to Liz. Again, you can find us on social at the underscore grief coach. You can reach out at hello at the grief If you enjoyed this, please rate, review, subscribe, follow. It helps with other people being able to find um, the podcast who may need it if um, there's more ratings and reviews on iTunes. So thank you guys and I'll talk to you next week. Hi everyone. Before we get started today, I want to talk to you about our newest partner, BetterHelp. Throughout my own grieving process, I have found therapy to be critical in getting me to the point where I am today, and I truly cannot imagine getting through this past year without it. Uh, A lot of the world is still in some sort of quarantine or phased opening and BetterHelp is a perfect platform for accessing therapy during this time because you can do it from wherever you are. BetterHelp will assess your needs and match you with a licensed professional therapist and you can have your first session scheduled in as little as 24 hours which is huge. I know for a lot of people, you hit a roadblock in starting therapy because there's a pressure to really find the right fit. BetterHelp is committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches. It's really easy to change a counselor if you feel like you want a better fit. The therapist you're matched with is available weekly, but you can send messages anytime through the app and get responses between sessions, which makes such a big difference, especially when you are processing a loss. 
better help is more affordable than traditional offline therapy and they also have financial aid available which i love and is one of the reasons that i decided to partner with them we have a special offer for the grief coach listeners where you'll get 10 percent off your first month at trybetterhelp.com slash the grief coach that's T-R-Y-B-E-T-T-E-R-H-E-L-P.com slash The Grief Coach. You can join over 500,000 people taking charge of their mental health with the help of experienced professionals. Investing in yourself is so important. If you've listened to any of the previous episodes, you know how much I prioritize doing the work to get through the grief process and BetterHelp is a wonderful platform to leverage to do so. Go to trybetterhelp.com slash the grief coach to get started.